0: Happy New Year, everybody. This is the Slow Bill Podcast. What a wonderful year we had. And we're going into the new year very strong and powerful. So today we're going to do um, a presentation on soul care by um, Dr. Rob Reiner. and um, Very good guy. Very good. I actually went to one of his sessions and it was... I tell you what, it was life changing, yeah. So, I'm going to share one of his um sessions that um that he did at another church, and I just pray that he blesses you, all right. So, this is the Slow Bill podcast 2023. (laughs) Happy New Year.
1: to be a pastor actually planted a church in the boston area but felt god's call to move out into more of an apostolic ministry and i started traveling 120 days a year and naturally when you travel you know i always bring a suitcase uh, you know when you start a trip your suitcase is always full of nice clean neat folded clothes But inevitably, after a couple of days on the road, you know, now the suitcase has dirty clothes. You come back home. Before I can leave and take my next trip, I have to unpack the suitcase from the dirty clothes. If I don't unpack the suitcase... There isn't any more room for the nice, neat, clean, folded clothes that I need for the next trip. So I have to unpack the suitcase. This is what Paul is talking about in the New Testament when he says we have to take off the old before we can put on the new. And so often, as we're following Jesus, we are trying to pack in the good things of God, love, joy, and peace, the freedom and fullness of Christ, but we haven't yet unpacked all the things that are in the suitcase of our souls that are hindering us from freedom and fullness. One of the things that sometimes gets in the suitcase of our soul that keeps us from freedom and fullness in christ is sometimes we gather some lies that we believe about ourselves and i'm just going to tell you you're what you believe about yourself is like the foundation of a building no matter how good the builder no matter how good the building material if the foundation isn't set property properly the building Is in jeopardy. And this is true for the foundation of your soul. We will never rise above what we believe about ourselves. And if we believe things about ourselves that the Father does not believe about us, we will never achieve or reach our potential in Christ. The beautiful message of the gospel is that though you are deeply flawed, you are even more deeply loved. But so often we know that, but we don't live like deeply loved children of God. Romans chapter 5 communicates this message to us. Romans 5, Paul says, Rarely will anyone die for a good person, but... For a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But Christ demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus didn't die for you because you got your act together. Jesus didn't die for you because of your position in society, because of your goodness. Jesus died for you because of his goodness, his position in the heavenlies, and because of his love. And that's the message of the gospel. We are deeply loved, chosen before the foundations of the earth to be holy and blameless in his sight. But we have to get that from an idea in our head to the core of our inner being if we're going to live out the freedom and fullness that is ours in Christ. And when we believe things that are inconsistent with that, they need to be identified and unpacked from the suitcase of our soul. I wanna look at two scriptures with you here this morning. Romans chapter 12, verse two, is the one we'll start with. Paul writes, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transformation is a word we get the word metamorphosis from. In Greek, it's metamorpho. It's this idea of some sort of an internal change that produces an external result. And that's what Paul's saying. We've got to change the way we think and bring our thoughts about ourselves into alignment with what God believes about us if we're going to experience the transformation that is ours in Christ. And then this passage in John chapter 8, verse 32, John is quoting Jesus in this passage. It's a very famous passage of Jesus, but so often we only quote half the verse. This is the part we usually quote. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But that is exactly not what Jesus said. This is precisely what Jesus said. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching. You are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. For Jesus, this was an if-then promise. The truth can set us free if we hold on to the truth, which means we have to hold on to the truth of who we are in Christ precisely at the moment That the lies are vying for position at the center of our soul. We have to start, therefore, by identifying these lies that are in the suitcase of our souls. What are the things we believe about ourselves that are inconsistent with what God believes about us? We have to expose those to the light and then replace those with the truth, renew our minds, rewrite the 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 script of our inner being, hold on to the truth, and start to live out of the truth in order to break the power of the lies. Self-awareness is clearly the first step to the journey. We'll never rise above our level of self-awareness. Self-awareness is like the, the gateway to transformation. It doesn't guarantee it but you cannot get there without it. And so I want to help you think through self-awareness. One of the things that's really helpful in identifying the lies is to spend some time alone with God, reflecting and journaling on some of these kinds of things. i want to give you a few questions to start to process in a reflection journal alone with God. Here's the first thing. What were some of the things that your parents said to you regularly when you grew up? You know, for some of you, for example, you may have heard from your parents, you know, you're no good, you'll never amount to much. And for some people, that can become a self-fulfilling prophecy. They hear those phrases and that, and that's it, that just weighs them down and they can't rise up above it and they live out that lie. For other people though, they rebel against the lie and they seek to prove their parents and anybody who said that to them wrong. They become driven and overachiever just to prove that they're worth something. But here's the reality. You cannot gain freedom through rebellion. You are a spiritual being in a spiritual world. You are always giving away spiritual access You do not get to choose if you give away access. You only get to choose to whom you give away access. And when you pick up one of the tools of the kingdom of darkness, you are giving access to the evil one and rebellion is a tool of darkness. So you can never gain freedom through rebellion against a lie. You can only gain freedom in submission to the king. We have to bring our thinking into alignment with Jesus thinking about us. What are some of the, as you're journaling and reflecting, what are some of the family slogans that you remember? Sometimes these family slogans are things that are said repeatedly. Other times, they're just a look. Sometimes it's something that's not necessarily even said. Uh, My wife grew up as the youngest of 15 children. You know, when you have 15 kids in the household, there's there's a lot of sibling interaction going on that isn't always healthy. You know, kids can pick on one another. Well, you know, my mother-in-law is trying to manage this motley crew. And sometimes my wife, being the youngest, would come to her and she would say, Oh, so-and-so is picking on me. And of course they were often picking on her as the youngest. And her mom would say, if you don't let it bother you, they won't keep doing it. Now listen, she didn't mean any harm by that. But here's the reality. The way my wife internalized that was, you're not allowed to feel certain emotions. If you feel those things, they're not really valid. And no one's gonna acknowledge them. No one's gonna treat them with tenderness. No one's gonna help you process them. So you know what? You learn not to talk about it. And it begins to shape you. These are the kinds of things that happen in families that start to form lies in us. My feelings don't matter, I don't matter. Lives can also develop through repeat experiences. You know, Let's say your father left the house at two years old, whether he died or he abandoned the family, doesn't matter, he's no longer there. You go to grade school and you get in a group of friends and somehow or another you end up on the outs, you're rejected by that group of friends. You go to junior high school, it happens again, you get rejected by a group of friends. You go to high school, you get your first boyfriend or girlfriend, And once again, you get rejected. You know, it starts to form this inner thinking process that forms lies in us. I'm not lovable. Something's wrong with me. I can't get too close to people because I might get rejected. And all of a sudden, we start to have lies that we believe. Listen, when you're journaling and reflecting with the help of the Holy Spirit, trying to gain self-awareness, pay super close attention to your self-talk. What do you say to yourself, about yourself? What are the imaginary conversations you find yourself having with other people? Listen, that which runs through your head unfiltered reveals what is in your heart undealt with. Jesus says it's out of the overflow of the heart that we think and speak and act And the reality is, for a lot of us, we don't even know what's deep down inside of our hearts. But if you pay close attention to what's running unfiltered through your head, your self-talk, you will discover the underlying lies that you believe. Let me give you an example in my own life. You do some parallel learning, okay? When I first became a pastor, sometimes somebody would come up to me after a Sunday morning message and they would say to me you know i need to talk to you can we get together this week and i'd look at my schedule and i would say to him well you know how about wednesday lunch and we'd set an appointment for wednesday and i'd leave there from the church on sunday morning and i'd start driving home and as i was driving home i'd start to think what did i say to joe that he wants to meet with me on wednesday I don't remember saying anything to Joe. Why is he, is he upset with me? What what was he upset about? Well, there was that one thing I said, but I didn't mean anything. I can't believe he took offense at that. And then I would start to think about what Joe was going to say and what I was going to say and what Joe was going to say and what I was going to say. And I'd have this imaginary conversation with Joe for three days in my head. And then finally Wednesday would come around. I'd sit down for lunch and Joe would say to me, I'm really struggling in my marriage Can you pray for me? And I'd be like, you just wasted three days of my life. Now hear me for a second. Joe didn't waste any time in my life. But when you have undealt with issues in your heart, you waste untold amounts of emotional energy inside your head. Again, that which runs through your head unfiltered reveals what is in your heart Undealt dealt with. So you wanna start journaling about these things. Let me talk to you about the three main lies, okay? And then we'll talk about how to break them. But let me talk to you about the three main lies. Here, here's the first one. The issue of my value and all of these lies affect the sense of our worth, our significance, our value. So the first lie, the issue of my value is dependent upon my performance. Now, we know theologically, doctrinally, cognitively, that that's not true. Again, Romans chapter five, Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. So we know it's not about our performance, but even though we know it, a lot of times we're still living like it is dependent upon our performance. Let me give you symptoms of the performance lie. You ready? For some of us, it feels like as long as we're doing everything we're supposed to be doing, you know, we're reading our Bible, we're praying, we're not looking at anything we're not supposed to be looking at on the internet, we're not losing our cool and blowing our temper, we're not struggling with envy or jealousy or whatever your besetting sin is. As long as I'm doing the right things and not doing the wrong things, I feel pretty good about myself. But when one of those besetting sins comes and visits us again and we trip up and fall and do that thing we know we do and we don't want to do, we feel like we need to crawl across glass to get back to God. That is a performance lie. The issue of your value is still somehow or another deep in your soul, dependent upon your performance. You're believing a lie. Please hear me. As long as that lie is packed in the suitcase of your soul, you will never experience the freedom that is yours in Christ. For some of us, it's not just about moral performance, it's about work performance or school if you're in school. And so for people with this kind of performance stuff, you know, you feel pretty good as long as your boss is giving you raises and promotions and kudos You're feeling pretty good as long as you're getting all A's on your report card or whatever. You're feeling pretty good as long as you're climbing the corporate ladder and going in the direction you want to go. But if your career gets stalled out, if you pull a grade that is beneath what you thought you should have gotten, if you somehow or another get, you know, five words of feedback, four of the words are positive, but one of the words is negative, If you fixate on that negative word, then you're standing on the performance lie. Again, think of your soul like a platform, right? Like a foundation. When I'm standing on the true foundation, the issue of my values really deeply settled by the love of God, I don't get bothered by bad performance. But when I'm standing on this shaky foundation that the issue of my values determined by my performance When I get that one negative feedback, my whole inner world starts shaking and vibrating because I'm standing on a shaky foundation and I have anxiety and I'm upset and I'm having imaginary conversations. Second lie, the issue of my value is determined by whether or not certain people love me. Listen, for some of us, we don't need everybody to love us, just certain people. You know, people in charge, people in authority, people who are bosses, our spouse, etc. There's just certain people, our parents, certain people that we need to love us. In my case, you know, I didn't need everybody to love me, but there were certain people that really mattered and right at the top of the list was my wife. And really when I started going through this soul care stuff, it was because my wife, Jen, no longer liked me. And listen, you know, the church was successful Uh, We were growing the church. People were coming to Christ. Good things were happening. So the performance thing was okay in terms of, you know, success, quote, unquote. But my marriage was falling apart. And when my wife didn't like me any more, I'm telling you, I found that I was standing on this shaky foundation, the issue of my values determined by whether or not Jen loved me. And I had angst and I was obsessing in imaginary conversations with Jen. I was compelled to fix it. Now hear me for a second. Life's better if Jen likes me. I want Jen to like me. But even if Jen doesn't like me, even if Jen left me, I'm going to be okay because Jesus likes me, and that really is enough for me. Now, I know that this is the true foundation, but I was still living out of this lie. And for some of you, you're still living out of the people-pleasing lie. You're still living over here, and if there's certain people upset with you, you have anxiety, you're on your tiptoes, you're walking like you're on broken glass, tiptoeing around. Third, the issue of my value is determined by whether or not I am in control. Listen, I'm only here for a little bit. I'm just here to help you, okay? So let me shoot straight with you. If anyone has ever told you you're controlling, that's because you are. It doesn't help you to deny it. You can't get free through denial. Again, that's picking up a tool of the kingdom of darkness. Rather, instead of defending yourself, and every time you defend yourself, you're you're pretty much wrong. There's insecurity underneath that. You're standing on a false platform. Rather than defending yourself, just own it. Just say, how would I be controlling and for some of us, the people around us perceive us as controlling. It's really important for us to hear that without defending ourselves and identify the ways in which we're doing this and to get free. For me, most of the people around me would not have felt I was controlling, but I can tell you this I didn't necessarily make people feel controlled. But man, when outcomes didn't turn out the way I wanted, I felt all kinds of negative energy inside anger, upset, shame. I wanted to control outcomes. Listen, I'll, I'll shoot straight with you. I have been affected by all three of these lies. The issue of my value at times has really been determined by my performance. And the issue of my value at times I've been standing on this platform of people pleasing and I really needed certain people to love me, especially Jen. And at times I'm standing on the platform. The issue of my value is determined by whether or not I'm in control. Can I bring about the results that I want? Now, here's the truth. These are all false platforms, false foundations. The truth is, the issue of my value was settled at the cross. When Jesus Christ died on the cross on my behalf, the Father said, I love you so much, I find you worthy of my Son's blood. That's the value that the Father has placed on us as he's expressed it through the death of Jesus Christ. That is what God believes about you. And when you start to bring your thoughts into alignment with what God believes about you, you begin to unpack the suitcase and live free and full. The problem for a lot of us is we've never actually unpacked these lies. So let me close by giving you just a couple of steps you can take. How do you move from this false platform, the issue of my value is determined by whether or not people like me or my performance or control, to the true platform, the issue of my value is settled at the cross? Let me give you four steps. First, you got to identify these lies and their manifestations. See, these become your clues. Once again, self-awareness is the gateway to transformation, doesn't guarantee it, but you can't get there without it. So if you don't know what the lies are and what the manifestations are, you are already defeated. So you have to identify this. So I'll give you a parallel learning again. I'll talk about myself, you think about yourself. The biggest lie that I have really by my own Wounding in life is the issue of my values determined by whether or not certain people love me. When I was in that marriage crisis in the early days that drove me to learn about soul care, and I was standing on this false foundation, I, I, I felt anxiety. And the key to really identify your manifestations what do you think? What's running through your head? What do you feel? And how do you act? Those are the three key questions you have to ask yourself. So let me start. What do you think? What was running through my head a lot of times was just restlessness, like my mind couldn't rest. If I went to spend time alone with God in silence, I couldn't shut my mind down, it was racing, okay? Second thing about my mind is that I often found myself in imaginary conversations with Jen, and you know, I'm arguing with her, I'm defending myself, I'm propping up this shaky foundation That's why you have these imaginary conversations. That's why you have this self-talk. So I really started paying attention to that. That's what I thought. What did I feel? Well, I felt anxious. I felt defensive. I felt often hurt. If Jen somehow or another, if it felt like she was attacking me, then I would power up. So I would be defensive, okay? Counter attack. Even if she wasn't really attacking me, if I felt she was attacking me, I would be defensive and I would act defensive and I would use emotional power to try to suppress her opinion. Really, I was just trying to bring her into my camp, okay? If I felt hurt, then a lot of times I would withdraw emotionally. I'd wall up, numb out, get silent. And so I started to realize every time I started withdrawing emotionally, I was standing on that false platform. Every time anxiety started rippling through my soul, I would pause and go, am I standing on this false platform? Every time my mind was restless, I would pause and go, am I standing on this false platform? Identify the manifestations. This is the place you start. Two, recognize when you're standing on the false platform and that's when you need to hold on to the truth. Reposition the issue of your value under your feet. Shift platforms. So, for example, for me, uh, Jen and I would start having these conversations every night trying to unpack the issues in our marriage. And she would say to me, you know, there's three things that I'm upset about. And so uh, in the beginning, I was defensive. But finally, the Lord said to me, I don't want you to defend yourself anymore. Every time you defend yourself, you're deflecting the light I offer as a gift to you. And so I I decided I wasn't gonna defend myself. And this is what I would do. At the end of one of these conversations, I was feeling defensive. I was feeling anxious, but I wouldn't speak. I would say to her, I'm gonna go process this alone with God. And then I'll come back and talk to you tomorrow. We'll resume this conversation tomorrow. Then I'd go upstairs and I'd get alone with God in the study that I had in that house. And as I sat alone with the Lord, I would reposition the firm foundation of Christ's love under my feet. I would say to myself, I want Jen to like me. Life's better if Jen likes me. But even if Jen doesn't like me, I'm going to be okay because Jesus likes me and that's enough for me. The issue of my value was settled at the cross. I've been chosen since the foundations of the earth. And I would settle into this firm foundation. I was renewing my mind, holding on to the truth. Third, when you're making the shift from this false foundation to the true foundation, the third step is allow the Holy Spirit to reveal the love of the Father to you, to reveal the love of God to you. Romans chapter eight says that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are deeply loved, children of God, adopted into the family of God, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. The Holy Spirit testifies to this. So, you know, when I was upstairs alone with God and, and I would renew my mind and tell myself the truth, I was rewriting the narrative of my soul. Then I would just sit and listen and I would say, Holy Spirit, testify about the things that are said in scripture, testify to me personally that I am deeply loved. And I would listen and the Holy Spirit would say to me, you're deeply loved. And I would feel and hear the love of God. And that was the third step in really renewing my mind. And finally, if you're gonna shift from this false platform to this true platform, then you have to act in courage on the truth. You have to act like a deeply loved person. James chapter 4 says, faith without deeds is dead. Listen, gang, as long as you believe the gospel and you declare the gospel truth of who you are, that you are deeply loved, but you act like an unloved person, the gospel in all of its impact is truly dead to you in that moment. That's what James is saying. So you got to get off this foundation, get over on this true foundation. And every single night as I sat there alone with the Lord, I would end with this. How would a deeply loved person act right now? And, you know, most of the times I would think to myself, okay, well, Jen said these three things about me. Of these three things, Lord, now that I'm standing on this platform of a deeply loved person, of these three things, what are true? And sometimes the Lord would say to me, well, you know, first one and the third one are true. The second one's really her hurt. And you know, if you're a deeply loved, secure person, you don't need to defend yourself. Only insecure people defend themselves. And so then I would own those things. I would go down and I'd speak to Jen and I'd say to her, listen, the Lord told me this first thing you said and this third thing you said are really true about me. That is not the man I want to be. And when I act like that or speak like that, you have a right to call me on that. And you know, I was solidifying who I was in Christ and I was changing, becoming more like Jesus. I was integrating the truth of the gospel and beginning to live it out in my life. I was acting. Like a deeply loved person. Let me close with this. Let me tell you the power of this in your life. A few years back, Jen went back to the workplace. You know, she'd been a stay at home mom. And when she went back to the workplace, yeah, she was, uh, you know, looking for a job. She got a part time job as a secretary in a higher ed institution in the Boston area where we lived. Uh, You know, she worked there for uh, a little while, and they quickly noticed this. Gal is super smart. She's a 4.0 student. She's really hardworking, and they immediately gave her a raise. She got another promotion, another raise, and pretty soon, she was the head of finances in her department within like six months, nine months, something like that. She was so excited, man. She's, she's all on fire about it, and one day, she comes home. She's reading a book called Never Eat Alone. It's a book on networking, and she's telling me, I'm going to network with this person, and this person. I'm going to do this, and do this, and, it. and it's like 11 o'clock at night's bedtime, and she's so excited she's talking to me about all her networking things she's gonna do and I'm telling you inside I want to take this book and burn it I mean this is like the stupidest book I've ever heard about in my life like I am having this visceral reaction to this idiotic book and so finally I just went you know and kind of blew up emotionally about this thing And uh, we were brushing our teeth in the bathroom. I walked out of the bathroom into the bedroom. I unpacked that emotional reaction in literally 45 seconds, walked back into the bathroom and said to her, can I unpack that for you? And she just nods, you know, she's still brushing her teeth. I said to her, listen. I said, you know, I have this fear of not being loved. I said, here I am, I'm traveling around the world you've gone back into the workplace you're talking about networking I said I- I'm just afraid that you know somebody's gonna come in see that you're still a winsome beautiful woman sweep you off your feet you know I'm you're gonna end up falling in love with that person and I'm gonna be left high and dry and I said that's just my emotional garbage and I said you keep networking and we'll be fine don't worry about it I'll deal with my junk she looks at me and goes you unpack that in 45 seconds I said no sweetheart I unpack that in 50 years. Now let me tell you how it would have worked before I had done this work. This is what would have happened 20 years ago. I'd have had the emotional blow-up. She'd have shut down. We would have tiptoed around the tension in the household over the next couple of weeks until it finally dissipated. And We never would have really gotten to the real issue or resolved it. Until another couple of months went by and we had another episode where I blew up emotionally, she shut down, we tiptoed around our dysfunction. And this is what I call the dance of our dysfunction. And we would have done that cycle without any real change. Until I got really rooted on my firm foundation. The issue of your value was settled at the cross. It's not enough to know it, you need to live it. You need to live like a deeply loved person. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for us that we wouldn't just know these truths In 1 John, John makes a comment to us. He says, you know, we have to live out the truth. It's not enough to know that we're deeply loved and live like an unloved person. We need to integrate the love of God so deeply into the fiber of our souls that we live in all of our human interactions like deeply loved children of God. May it be said of us, in the heavens and on earth because we live it so deeply. In Jesus name,
0: amen. Wow, wonderful teaching there. Yeah, so there's something I want you guys to do for me when you get a chance. I want you to first, um, I'm gonna send a link on Amazon where you can um, purchase the book. And you can take your time and go through the principles. Um, For those who haven't yet received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, um, it's a simple simple prayer. Lord, come into my heart and save me. Please forgive me of all my sins. I want to be your son and daughter right now. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen yeah you just accept jesus as your personal lord and savior so the, the challenge now is to live for him you know a lot of persons don't know how to do that first thing you find a, a nice bible believing church start fellowship with the believers um, get discipled yeah you need discipleship somebody who has already walked the walk and the talk and they can show you the principles of the word and you can live in grace and harmony and guess what there are going to be challenges but guess what we are more than conquerors in christ jesus we we don't walk in fear anymore we're going to set the new year with this tone he has given us everything that we needed for life and godliness everything that we need is in jesus we don't have to Go to any therapist, you know, if you can, you, you should, but you just call upon Jesus. Yeah? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's another step I want you guys to do. Um, most churches don't stress on being filled. The being filled is a continual filling of the Holy Spirit, it's an everyday thing. It's not a one time event because we don't eat one time a day. We don't eat and don't eat for the rest of our lives. Every day we have to be filled. We have to submit to the word of God. We have to understand. And if we don't know, we we'll cry out to him. Because people, you will know the time is at hand. It's very near. Jesus is on the footstep. I have seen people who are healthy fall down dead. You can see it on the news. Healthy people in their 30s and 40s fall on dead. No issues, nothing. So guess what? You don't want to take the chance of not knowing where eternity is going to be so i'm beseeching you people at the sound of my voice bow your heart to jesus start the new year right say lord come into my heart and save me and for those who are already believers as my mother would have said break up the folly ground go back to basics seek god first first things first stop the, the 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 lukewarm living you're not hot you're not calling in the middle the lord said i'm gonna spit you out you wanted to be on fire for him because a lot of persons out there are dying without jesus and they are going straight to a place that god didn't prepare for us so people i pray a blessing upon you as you listen to the word and as you're convicted and changed and transformed in jesus precious name be blessed people and this is going to be a wonderful 2023. Alright? Yes, continue to listen to the music. Listen.